while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow here with uh, guest co-host Jess Machado. I've had a great show so far. Appreciate all who's everybody who's tuned in. We're joined now by Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro. Hey, Sheriff. Hey, Marcus. How you doing? Good. So, um, so uh, we talked to you a couple weeks ago uh, after an inmate had uh, committed suicide by hanging. Um, in the uh, the Dartmouth House of Correction, you had discussed um, the, that there were blind spots in the suicide policy, the suicide prevention policies at uh, Bristol County House of Correction, and uh, you needed to um, um, bring someone on to identify those uh, bl- um, blind spots. And you've uh, identified and contracted with someone uh, today. Can you tell us more about uh, that person? Yeah, his name is Lindsay Hayes. He has been... Uh working on inmate suicide and, uh, you know, officer suicide for uh, several decades. You know, he's a nationally recognized expert. He's done work with the uh, National Institute of Justice and the Department of Justice. And uh, when I first started, I brought on uh, two people from the DOC, Louis Spencer and Michael Corsini. And then a couple weeks later, I brought on my old boss from Philadelphia, who also ran the uh, the, the Philadelphia Baltimore, uh, jail system and the Baltimore jail system and uh, all three of them uh, suggested that I reach out to Lindsay Hayes so I uh, looked around for him on the internet and I found him sent him an email and uh, he agreed to uh, help us out you know to come in and, and take a look at our system and make recommendations so uh, you had said to me um, the last time you were on that uh, the three people that recommended him to you did so pretty much on their own right they didn't uh, they didn't there was no consultation they all just it was the first person that came to mind oh yeah that's right yeah they, they, they didn't talk to each other about this they like individually they said you need to contact Lindsay hayes that's the guy you want to talk to you know they they, they didn't talk to each other about that they all said that independent of each other when um so when is when are you uh when is, is mr hayes going to start um evaluating the uh the facilities um, so the contract is signed, and I think it's within a, a couple of weeks. I think he just has to finish off some existing projects he has going on, but it's going to be, uh, you know, within the next several weeks. Hey, Paul, it's Jessica. Oh. Congratulations, by the way. I don't think I officially uh, congratulated you. Um, so what, what um, you just mentioned a contract. How, how long is that contract for? And then I guess just from a, a budgetary perspective, um, how are you or how have you been able to find funding for um, the support that you've brought in um, within your budget that's already existing? Well, we have a ton of vacancies. And so there's a lot that's budgeted that we are not going to uh, 
uh, spend on. So when we have the flexibility to move money around within the budget, and so the, you know the, there is money there. And, you know that's that kind of goes with all you know jail systems. We have money for discretionary like this. Um, the cost is just over sixteen thousand dollars. It was uh, he's contracted for six actual days in house, and then he's going to spend a lot of time on his own uh, doing work, like in terms of like analyzing data and looking at the uh, different suicide cases that we've had over the years, uh, looking for their pattern, looking at our policies and procedures, and then he comes back at some time in the near future, you know, maybe, uh, you know, several weeks after, maybe as much as a month or so after he. Uh, finishes and then he's going to walk us through what he found and say these are the things that you can and should be doing to decrease your suicide rate. How quick, once he proposes those changes, um, you know, I know you don't know what they are, but uh, is it a heavy lift to implement um, a lot of new protocols uh, for suicide prevention? I don't know. It's too early to say because I'm not sure what if anything uh, is going to come back to say we have to do things differently, I, I just don't know what it's going to look like. But we're going to take everything seriously, and uh, it would be incumbent upon me to facilitate that change and work with the security staff and the medical staff and uh, you know the classification and take and just say, okay, this is what we need to do differently. And uh, if if we don't do things differently, if if some if nothing changes, nothing changes. You know, we'll continue to have the highest rate of suicide in the state, um, but things need to change. I'm not sure what those things are. You know, I'm not qualified to say what they are, but that's why I brought in somebody who is qualified. So we're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff uh, Paul Haro. Um, is there anything else? I, I think we've we've covered the the suicide prevention. You know, the next steps and um, you know where where you guys are going from there. Is there anything else you want to add with respect to that uh, that that subject? Um, you know, if I, get, I think whatever uh, is presented in front of me that's a challenge, it's my job to address it, whether it's uh, concerning inmates, concerning the infrastructure, concerning the correctional officers, uh, whatever it is, I have to address it. And uh, this is just, you know, one of the one of the first things. I mean, I just started on basically a month ago. I mean, it was, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's Groundhog Day. It's, it's February uh, 2nd. So I started on january 4th so it's just under a month that i've I've been there so um moving on we were talking with lisa kashinsky at, at politico uh, about that uh legislation that was filed mm -hmm. uh the inmate organ donor legislation it's been very controversial um mm -hmm. basically what the the crux of the of the policy is is that an inmate can get early release if they're incarcerated um uh, if they uh, sign up to be an organ donor, or if they organ, if or if they donate an, an actual organ, what are your thoughts um, on that legislation? Well, it sounds like a bribe. So let's let's uh, take it apart. Yeah. And being an organ donor is a good thing. And an inmate earning uh, good time, you know, for early release is also a good thing. But why do we do good time for early release? Like, why do we do that? We do that because. Um, you know, we want it to incentivize inmates to participate in programs that is going, or the programs that are going to help reduce recidivism and also, uh, you know, exercise good conduct while they're locked up. So, what, you know, that's why we do early release and, and we offer good time to decrease recidivism and improve behaviors inside the facilities and, you know, with conduct. The organ, you know, being an organ donor, donating an organ, 
doesn't accomplish either one of those two things. It, it doesn't do anything to reduce recidivism, and it doesn't do anything to address good behavior while locked up. So we took a good idea, which is being an organ donor, and we took a good idea of early release. We put them together, and we ended up with a bad idea. It's just kind of yeah. it doesn't always that doesn't happen, you know, all the time. But that's uh, you know, we we basically have, you know, a uh, it's basically a bribe. You're bribing people to give up a body part in order to get early release, essentially. Yeah, it's exactly. And, and, but it's again, we're using this tool of early release or in the wrong way. You know? Right. So again, we want to make sure that early release is tied to an improvement with behavior. I mean, that's why we call it a house of correction or a department of correction. We're supposed to correct behavior, not use something that is going to. I don't know, like I said, it, it's going to bribe people. Yeah, I'll, I'll sign up. And, and let's consider this as well. Let's just say for the sake of argument, somebody gets out, and then what are they going to do? I mean, what, what if somebody says, okay, I'm, I'm out, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I just was released. Oh, I'm going to withdraw my name from the organ donor list. Right. Um, does that mean we put them back inside, or does that mean we just give them a pass? I mean, how do you really enforce that? Um, because to be an organ donor, you typically just register with the RMV, and that's put on your license. Yeah, so basically um, someone could, you know, decide to donate an organ just because they could get out in time, but they haven't made any actual fundamental improvements on their um, pattern or behavior that would lead them to not recidivate, essentially. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's exactly right. And so, uh, again, this, the, you, organ donation is a good idea. It's a good thing. And then so is uh, doing things that, you know, lead towards early release, uh, which is uh, like reducing recidivism or improving your behavior while you're locked up. Um but when you put those two things together with inmates, it, it, it just it kind of it misses the point of what early release is supposed to be about. So we're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro. Um, I guess uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, we did that tour at Ash, the Ash Street Jail. Um, and, you know, there was a good number of members from the delegation there. They all seemed to at least support the feasibility study um, that you asked for uh, from uh, for DCAM. Um, have you had any other conversations after that tour? Um, do you think you'll be able to secure a feasibility study uh, in this in this next year, in this next uh, budget uh, discussion? I think it's likely that we'll get a, a feasibility study. I think the state delegation are serious about this. They recognize that um, you know closing down Ash Street, if for no other reason, if for no other reason, it will help us save money. You know, it's a 200,000 square foot building that we're performing maintenance on and paying bills on. And if we were to move the operations, if we were to retrofit uh, the GC, you know, the gymnasium and GC, the GC is the portion of the jail. But if we were to put the uh, retrofit that portion and put the holding cells there, we could save a lot of money. I mean, it's a little, it's an investment up front, but we save on the back end. It's just like my electric car. I spent a little bit more money to have an electric car. Um, now I never pay for uh, gas. You know, when I have did my electric bill go up, you might ask. Well, I've got solar panels on the roof, too. So I, I did an upfront investment, but now I haven't had an electric bill in years. And just like with the, uh, the it, it's the same thing. You're, you're a green sheriff. I've never heard of a green sheriff before. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, hey, let me tell you this. Okay. We had, we were, um, I, I, I did a quick calculation. We have 700 inmates. And we were, we were giving every inmate a styrofoam tray for lunch. Now, you do the math on that. 700 inmates times three meals a day times 365 days a year. That's 760,000 
styrofoam trays a year. When I discovered that, I said, no, no, this, this has to change right away. We, because we're literally just throwing money away um, on these styrofoam trays. So 760000 a year. So we're going back to the very hard plastic trays that, um, you know, that won't, like, you know, produce that waste. Um, but it's not just the purchasing of those. That's also going into our uh, trash bill because trash is determined and we're billed based on weight. So, you know, it was just there's a handful of things that we can do that uh, just a little bit of forward thinking, a little creative thinking can actually save money. And uh, just if for no other reason, we're just saving money. Speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro. Uh, I didn't. I had visions of inmates cracking each other over the head with those trays when you said that, Paul. So uh, I, I don't know how that's going to go. But I don't want to disjoint uh, Marcus's um, interview. But I'm really curious. You know, since you've taken on your new role, have you found it hard to disconnect from your um, involvement in Attleboro? You were there for quite some time. You live there. Um, are you finding mayor? The, it was mayor there. Yeah, yeah, it was mayor there. Yeah. Are you finding it hard to not be focused? or involved in, in local politics or, you know, local day-to-day business over there? Has has it been easy for you to kind of disconnect from that? Well, uh, to your earlier point about the uh, cracking each other over the head, most places use this, uh, the hard plastic trays, and uh, most of the, well, many of the inmates are served in their cells, uh, especially single cells, so it's it's really not a, too much of a concern. I mean, people are going to hit each other over the head. They can do with their fists. Mm-hmm. You know, they can do with yeah. anything. But as far as Attleboro politics goes. Uh, I'm, I'm in Attleboro right now. I still live here. You know, I, I only owe another 125000 on my house, and I have a 2.6% interest rate, so it would be a crazy idea for me to move right now, and I, I like my house. Um, but I am participating in the uh, campaign for mayor. I'm assisting Kathleen DeSimone, who's running for mayor. She's an independent. Uh, there's a Democrat, two Republicans, and an independent in the race. I'm supporting Kathleen, who's an independent. And, uh, you know, but basically on my way out the door, I submitted some things to the city council, which then made their way into the newspaper one week, even a week and a half after I left. And a lot of people said, Paul, you know, let it go. It's like, I actually, but I, but I, what you're reading about in the paper, I submitted during my time as mayor. Right. Um, but no, I've got plenty to do as uh, as sheriff in this new role. You know, addressing the the uh, jail, and you know, so I, I basically I'm helping uh, you know a candidate, but I'm also going to be getting involved with a race in New Bedford where I help a, a candidate there as well. I'm most oh. likely, I, yeah. So. Uh, well, I don't want to say yet because I have been. Uh, whoa, 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 hold on. You know how Marcus likes to be hold breaking on. news here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're getting involved in a local New Bedford race. Is it a municipal race? Yeah, it is. And I, I, um, I'll be meeting with the candidate for the first time. Um, oh, so this, you know, I, this is the is this the Ward Three special election? Well, I'm not going to say just yet, but it, it, it could be that. It could be something else. I mean, so um, you know, but I, I was. Uh, chatting with some folks and they said well you know we have a race that's coming up it uh-huh. is a uh, you know can i said well you know let me know and um you know if i can uh you know help out because but just i don't know when people help me get elected so if i can help other people get elected it's you know kind of how the world goes around Oh, and that's very interesting, Paul. I'm looking forward to... Uh, Marcus almost jumped out of his seat, well, by the it's way. A, it's a, <laughs> <laughs> he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, uh, yeah. well every, time, every time you come on, there's, there's, a, there's a new story to break, so I, I appreciate yeah. that. Um, Paul, I... Well, Mark, Marcus, I'll tell you what. 
when when I um, when I'm ready to you know if I decide to support a candidate um, down there in New Bedford, I will let you know first. You know that way you can still have the uh, the, the the joy of uh, doing the breaking news. In fact, Mark, I mean, like you you actually are the one who really got the story going about me wanting to or not wanting to, but coming up with an idea. You know, I wouldn't call it a plan, but the idea to close. Uh, Ash Street, and that's yeah. all it is right now. It's not a real plan; it's an idea. Um, but that it, I, I said I talked about it on one radio program, and then I talked about it on a podcast. You heard me talk about it on a podcast, but then once you grabbed it, man, that just blew up. And then Jonathan Darling was receiving all sorts of messages. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, you, you might have said it to other people, but uh, uh, I think um, you know here at South Coast tonight, we we know to do with news like that, and uh, I'm. Uh, I'm glad we could uh, jumpstart the conversation because I think it's a really important one. Um, mm-hmm. Paul, thanks so much for joining us this evening. Um, is there anything else you want to leave the audience with before I let you go? No, it's, it's great to be on as always, and I look forward to whatever's next. Great. Thanks, Paul. Appreciate it. Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro. We're going to take a break, uh, and we'll be right back. This is South Coast Tonight with Marcus and Jess. 1420 WBSF. Show. Uh, South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Jess Machado's been guest hosting with me, and uh, it has been a lot of fun. I behaved <clears throat> during that segment. It was hard to hear you say Sheriff Harrow. It's, it's hard. <laughs> Not only that, it just doesn't feel very natural. We've just had Sheriff Hodgson for so long. You know what's funny? I was, when I had, um, last time I had Paul on, I had a conversation uh, with, my, uh, with my mother, and she said, who are you having on tonight? I said, the sheriff said it on purpose like that. I said, the sheriff. She's like, why? Oh, wait, I was yeah. thinking of Hodgson. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's been a, it's been a, it's been a household name for, for, you know, a so quarter, long. Yeah, a quarter century. So it's, it's, yeah. I it's saw him the other night. He was at the vote. I gave him a big hug. He seems very relaxed. He seems very relaxed. But I asked him if he's bored and he said yes. I, um, I know he's bored because he came here and hung out with me for three hours. <laughs> so I, I think he's filling in for Phil in the morning soon. I don't know when, but he told me he was filling in yes. for Phil as well. So I think, you There's know. Something he did when he was sheriff as well. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that's cool. That's good. Yeah. I'm not I'm not hypercritical of Haro right now. I, I mean, I think what he's doing is very expected. You know, he he's a procedural guy. He wants to come in. He wants to look he wants to fix Mm -hmm. he wants it's he seems to have a blueprint everywhere he goes on what he he does i mean it's very sterile if you ask me you know what i mean it really is but i think you know he he was pretty he admitted as much he's you know you know what's funny actually when i had him on after it was like the his first like in-person interview after the election and uh he was saying it's not going to be as like the the headline grabbing stuff glamorous yeah but um i think I've been able to make a few headlines, you yeah, know, yeah. and uh, we'll continue to do so, I think, um, as we uh, cover this, because I think it's important. So, Jess. Marcus. I don't know. What do you got? What do you got for me? <laughs> wait, what? Start, start the conversation. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, Come I, on. No. Uh, Come on. On what? I don't know. Uh, what are you thinking about? Politically, I, I'm I'm dealing with some GOP text messaging right now. <laughs> there's a lot of people that are unhappy. Anything salacious? Uh, there's like you know, there's people that are really unhappy with with stuff that happened or whatever. But that's pretty typical on on either side. Uh, 
I'm, you know, I, you're probably surprised. I, I don't have an issue with, with Paul. He sounds like he's, he's doing his job. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I feel like I was holding on as long as I could to Hodgson. You know what I mean? For, for every reason possible, I'm, I'm giving in to that. This is where we're at right now. You know what I mean? Really? I'm just giving in. I'm giving in. And on, and honestly, if it, if it's all wrong, then we're going to see results that are wrong. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think anybody can guarantee there isn't going to be another suicide there. I don't think he can guarantee at all that the rate is going to change, right? I, I just don't I don't see that. I don't want that, right? You know how crazy people went after that suicide after a week. People were losing their minds like, oh, see, you know, I was too. I just don't know if he can impact that. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying let's give him a chance. We have to. I'm just, I've moved on from it. You know, like, just let him go do whatever he wants. He's not going to be here long. He's going to do two terms, and then he's going to run for something 12 else. 12 years. He's going to, well, I don't, I don't, I think he'll probably get elected if he gets elected the second time, and I, I think he'll vacate sooner than the six. Oh, yeah. For, depending on, contingent on what he wants to run for next, and he already knows what he's going to run for next. There's a, there's a plan for him that is just. going to run for. <laughs> who knows? Talk to Dr. Washington, who knows? He's, oh, he's, well, he's talking about running against Auchincloss, then Attleboro. He could move. I I, you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like he could he, move and wait for Keating to retire. I feel like he wants to move. When he was talking about his interest rate and stuff like that, he was basically telling you the reasons why he can't move right now. Like he only owes this much and he's got a 2.5% interest rate. He'd be crazy to move. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, if those things weren't so favorable, would he be packing it up? Probably. I would say yes. Why else would he bring it up? I felt like it was just him saying, you know. And, and yeah, I think you're maybe trying to decode stuff a little bit too much. <laughs> if I'm being honest, you're like reading into it too much. No, I. What's he saying? My first instinct. Let's play when, it backwards. My first. <laughs> my first instinct when he mentioned because we didn't solicit that out of him. He like organically brought that up. No, I th- I think he's probably thought should he move down? Should he move down? Should he be closer? I mean, he's got a heck of a commute on his hands. That's for I don't sure. know. Um, it's a, here's the thing. He. Oh wait, is he driving the SUV? No. Okay. No, I know he's not. Okay. Because I. Uh, I know someone's trying to. Take the call. Take the call. Good, good evening. You're live. Yeah. Uh, hey, Big Al. I got some uh, follow up on uh, Paul Pelosi. You know the. Uh, Person that got assaulted with a with a hammer. Yes, but the the uh, husband of the former I, speaker of the I mean, house is a better, more clear description of him than the guy who got beat with a hammer. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Uh, a friend of mine sent me uh, something to do with that, and it was on Instagram. Okay, and I saw it, and happy to say they they actually got the guy, and he's. In custody, in jail, and I hope the guy he never sees a light of day ever again. Yeah, did you see the video of the assault? Did you get a chance to yeah, see it? Yeah, I saw it. I saw the guy. I saw the actual camera that was yes. used. Yeah, I when on my show on my show last week, I I basically said, hey, listen, you know, there was a lot of people speculating about this event, right? With Paul Pelosi, this was his gay lover. He was in the house. After you watch all of the videos associated with this, it is very clear and obvious 
This was somebody that broke in the home to assault Nancy. She wasn't there. Paul Pelosi was woken up. He obviously was trying his best to de-escalate the situation. And when the police got there, I, I think that guy knew his time was up and, and he was going to make a move. Anybody who said that this was anything else than that should apologize. I think this was a violent attack on on not only the Speaker of the House's husband, but a human being. It was despicable. It was disgusting. It's pretty scary. Um, and, you know, that's the reality. It just of it. definitely didn't order that hit. Definitely I not. Just, I just wanted to bring it to your attention in case <laughs> you didn't know. My powers don't reach me on the state, Marcus. Thanks, Big Al. We appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Al. No problem. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> Did not order that hit. No, you definitely didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, so people shouldn't be saying that at all. Nobody said that. Nobody should, I, nobody should say it because you didn't do it. <laughs> Why would anybody say that? Because you definitely 100% did not do that. I was looking at this story, too. This is a really interesting story. I have a lot of questions about this, and I know it's taboo. I'm going to talk about it this week on my show because that's my space, and like nobody can give me Just a hard time. tell us about your show. It's on Saturdays from 1 to 4 here on WBSM. What's it called? It's the Jess Machado Show. It's Jessica Machado Show, but we've just we say Jess Machado Show now. Besties know it as the do, Jess do you, Machado Show. Do you prefer Jess to Jessica? So everybody always asks me this. So I'm Jessica. My grandmother is the only person to call me Jesse. Nobody else has ever called me Jesse. So that's off limits. And I think Jess, yeah. Jess Machado flows easier than Jessica Machado. Yeah, too many syllables. Yeah. My maiden name was Cabral, Jessica Cabral, which is terrible. Yeah, no. Yeah. So I, you know, I can't divorce my husband, but if I do, I'm keeping the name. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Unless you unless unless you remarry and there's a better And there are so many name. options right now. Like a I, Yeah. There's a lot. Amore, what, what Amare, Anthony Amore, I'm marrying <laughs> Anthony Amore. He's so smart. I love him. He's just so smart. We don't deserve him. I'm obsessed with him. My husband knows too. And he's like easy on the eyes and when he was campaigning he always wore good pants and good shoes. And I'm not even into flashy stuff, but he always like, dressed appropriately. And he always wore like Wayfarers. He's just like a good looking, easy look on the eyes kind of guy. Smart. He loves art. Oh we don't deserve him. <laughs> Jessica Amore, though, just doesn't, it doesn't fly. I don't love it. I'm obviously joking. And I've met. No, his, you're not. I, of course, I no, met his girlfriend. And there's she's, way too much detail for you to be joking about that. That no, was so well thought no. out and, 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 and precise. I've, I've met his girlfriend um, at an event for Governor Baker um, mm-hmm. at Encore. Um, and she's unbelievably. Oh, you went to that party? I did. Yeah, I got an invite to that. That's cool. It was really great. Yeah, I met a lot of great people. Um, connected. It was nice. You know, I've always felt like I had imposter syndrome. I didn't really belong there because I didn't work on the Baker campaigns at all. Um, yeah. So, uh, so a you, lot sh- of, you should have felt like you didn't belong there. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but kidding. a lot of the people I work with there's now. Probably a lot of, yeah. There's probably a lot of people there that. <laughs> but, you know, it, I, it, I was witness to people feeling very nostalgic, very sad. You know, there were people that worked very hard. And by a lot of, you know, checking a lot of boxes, it was a very successful uh, run, you know, pre COVID. Well, well, that was a. The thing is, is. That was a close campaign in mm. 2014. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't entirely clear that Baker won on election night. So I wasn't even following it back then. I, I can just tell you that there's some really tremendous... I said this earlier when we were talking about this GOP thing. There's some really tremendous people that... I don't know if you would call them operatives or whatever, that are just very smart, 
that give a tremendous amount of time. I mean, I, I know people that were, you know, focused and working on this, this GOP thing here, like 24 hours a day. I'm not kidding. Like people were just really working hard to try to convince people that Jim was just not right, the right fit for us, mm-hmm. you know, and they they really, for the right reasons, they care. I'm not talking like anything nefarious. People genuinely just are so tired of losing and they want yeah. a future. And these people were just putting so much time and effort into it. Um, I think they're really good people. You know what I yeah. mean? And, you know, it gets messy and, and all these things. I always said the end justified the means. It was, you know, a lot of, you know, the stuff on Howie and stuff. It was really important. And people didn't like some of it. You know, well, the, it clearly took every bit of that effort because it was a, still a tight vote. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Well, it didn't matter. A win's a win's a win. That's it. So, no, I, yeah. I know. But it was just... Yeah, and well, you know, Lisa touched on it a little bit. Amy has some work to do to try to bring those people together. However, I think she's the right person for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think she can. She can do it. I think it's. I'm very excited. I'm like jazzed about the GOP right now. Jazzed about I am the GOP. Jazzed about the GOP. <laughs> I'm not kidding, Marcus. Don't let. I am like, dude. You have no idea. First and foremost, <laughs> let me just tell you something right now. It's we won something. And and to yeah. a lot of people, it's not a, like a ballot race. It, we won, and winning feels fantastic. After losing so many to win, oh my god, I would get addicted to that. Like, why don't you want to do this all the time? Why don't yeah. you want to celebrate instead of crying every time you have an election, and and then lamenting and then pointing fingers and blaming? How about you just celebrate that you won and then start getting to work, which is what Amy is doing. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see that with like candidates on ballots, and I I. Phew, this didn't work, so hopefully this will. Want to win something? Are there's got to be efforts in these municipal elections? I think, right? I had been saying this for a long time that like the front line is like school committee. Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah. I ran for school committee twice, so I I lived it. I really do feel. And listen, Pat Haddad started school on the school committee. committee. <laughs> Pat Haddad started on the school committee. Catherine Clark started on the school committee. This the the second ranking uh, House House Democrat. Mm. Uh, started on the school committee. school committee. Yeah, so that's. I mean, it's it's, it's a it's a good springboard for for higher office. So, and I, I think Carol, Carol Doherty too up in Taunton the school committee. It's personal, right, to people when mm-hmm. you have somebody that's dealing with your children, and so you build trust and relationships and admiration and things. So, I think it's really sometimes even like Selectman City Council, it's a little detached to some people. But when you're talking about kids and families, and yeah. um, and that's your voters, yeah, it's so. Yes, I totally agree, and I know Amy said. That she, um, I'm pretty sure I may just not misquoting, but John Featherston, who was a candidate running for chair, withdrew from the race, and he is going to be, I believe, in charge of candidate cultivation and retention and support. Um, I sat with him at the meeting. Um, I really like him. He's a great guy, very, very smart, um, and he said he's ready to hit the ground running too. So, candidate retention and, and cultivation. I'm excited about that. Can you imagine we had we had people down here like you know that just weren't getting anything, no support. You had mm-hmm. nothing. You didn't have any. so. There's yeah. some little racist down here too. Yeah. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, it really was. Like, so. can you imagine if Evan had, you know, a, a, a high functioning GOP, race. right? Yeah, and he got um, he, he won the in he won the in person voting, right? He got yes. killed in the. He the, won all of his in person, um, and and then the mail in. That's it. That's what did him in. Wow. Yeah, and it was um, very similar with the sheriff. Many of the communities, he won the in person, but the mail in. The mail in voting in that big, that massive New Bedford margin of victory. Five thousand. Yeah, there was like, I think at least 
around like three of it was mail-in at least that's paul harrow's biggest accomplishment to dave <laughs> mail-in voting in, in new bedford they had it on lock they knew it and listen that's the other thing too the republicans are so busy fighting each other and jim lyons is so busy with these lawsuits right why don't you why don't you figure out a way to leverage mail-in voting you know what i mean mm-hmm. like figure it out like it's not that hard you know what i mean like or put in the effort and the work the well, efforts was, were all was, in the wrong places was, i'm sorry early in mail-in voting either way though uh advance Correct. The po- advance deposits sure but I'd call it the same thing. I vote early. I vote the first day I can. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't because I love going to the polls. I love seeing people. I like watch. I like, I poll watched too, by the way, um, this past uh, election in my, my town. And they weren't doing it right, by the way. Yeah, story. And so, you know, but I think that's important too. Just make it transparent so that nobody complains. Nobody has any like feelings that it's wrong or whatever. And people, they have to get it right, you know. So, especially when it comes to counting those mail in votes. Because listen, the Trumpers, right, who are like so crazy about like the steal and all of that stuff, I want that to stop. I'm mm-hmm. tired of hearing people talk about that kind of stuff. So, the only way that that can happen is just make it completely transparent. Let us see where you're counting them, let us see the people who's doing it. Like I'm, I you, take that out of the equation so nobody can accuse you of stealing or miscounting or ballot harvesting. Just make it transparent so these far right wing Republicans don't have any type of like platform to go off of. It's it's very frustrating. We gotta take a break. Okay. Listen to us live anywhere in the world on the WBSM app. Enjoy your voice heard right now on South Coast Tonight. Call 508-996-0500 or send an app chat message on the WBSM app. Now, back to Chris and Marcus. Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm uh, I'm Mark. Uh, Marcus, uh, some people are messaging me giving the, the program hi, Marks, and I, I appreciate it, and I, I know Jess does as well. Thank you. So, uh, so Jess. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, um, I don't know. Want me to rattle off a bunch of things that are in my mind right now? Mm-hmm. I saw a video of all of these robot dogs from um, that company, Boston Dynamics. It's insane, yeah, right? It's terrifying. I yeah. thought it wasn't real, but it's a yeah. real video. Just Google Boston Dynamics dogs, and you will see it's a room full of like I don't know thirty robotic dogs moving in sync, and it's unbelievably terrifying. So I'm yeah. thinking about that. I'm thinking about the case of the Duxbury mother. That's really some. It's really awful. I I don't understand why she hasn't been arraigned yet. Um, um, because we can arraign pe- people from hospitals all the time. So yeah. so why has she not been arraigned? It's a little confusing. And I think the initial she might not be competent to be arraigned at the moment. So I think the other thing about this, which I think is you know taboo or unpopular opinion, is the the letter. I read the letter and during the break of my show, and I was very upset. I was crying. The the, the letter the father had read, oh, right? It's brutal. But then, like, I read it again a couple of days later, and I'm looking at. It, I'm going. I feel like this was too soon. It was extremely comprehensive. I mean, the amount of loss and tragedy, and for that letter to have been comprised by him seems not right. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. I don't. I don't know. My instant thought was: Did he was something going on? Was he having an affair? Was like what? 
what else is there? And as with so many of these stories, it just takes time for it to come out. Um, Having an affair. I don't, that's what I was thinking. Like, why is, I don't know. Something just doesn't seem right about this whole thing. I don't know what it is. Can it just be, do you know, like I was researching, because I suffered from postpartum depression from my second child. And so I instantly was thinking about that time. And I'm sure many women have had like those baby blues things or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But this is very different. It's postpartum psychosis. And it's not the same as postpartum depression. And it's almost unbelievably rare for someone to have this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's why it's such a big story. And then on top of it, this GoFundMe is almost at a million dollars, right? So I think people instinctually were like, I want to help with like the funeral services and things like that. But it actually says for law service and legal services on the GoFundMe. And so... I don't wow. know if people understand that they're donating money maybe for her defense and people maybe thought that they were just donating for the children or maybe even the dad. But it says on the GoFundMe for legal <laughs> legal help. We got a, we got a big breakup. So let's <laughs> let's take it. Fourteen twenty. Hmm. Makes sense, though. Hmm. Yeah. What do you have on tomorrow's show? Do you know yet? You, you're coming back. <laughs> I'm coming for Barry tomorrow, though, guys. I'll be here from 12 to 3. Um, no, uh, no, Chris is back. Uh, we're 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 working on a cut. We're, we're we've got some we've got some things in the hopper. We're just we nothing nothing we can confirm yet. Mm. So uh, when we when we can confirm it, you'll just have to tune in and see. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if it's just Chris and me and we're just having a good time, you can vibing. have a good time with us. Yeah, vibing. you can vibe with us. Some of our best shows have just been the, the Chris and Marcus experience. Mm-hmm. So, But we've got some things in the hopper. We're working on some stuff. When's so. your one-year anniversary for this? When did you start? Today. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you start right when I took over for you? Yes. So, right mm-hmm. around, so it's June or July, right? Yeah, so July 11th is when we started. I knew the show was going to happen the end of June. And so that's when I stopped doing my Saturday show. Right. Um, so, yeah, July 11th is, was our first day. It's gone by fast, huh? <sighs> yeah, it has gone by pretty fast. Uh, I think it happened at just the, uh, the, just the right time. Um, I think all of this came together here at BSM, your show, my show, and Tim's show um, in, uh, in Chris's old slot. Mm. Uh, I think it all came together really nicely, especially for the... Um, election season and so it's worked out pretty well so far and I think we've carried a lot of that momentum I love forward. It. I love it's it. It's great. Yeah. I love it. I feel like it's perfect time like you said but like we've made a name for ourselves and I think people recognize like the value here and yeah. the podcasting piece. I mean if you guys don't know like we're here and Marcus has his laptop up and he's literally uploading the podcast with the description while we're here. It's it's crazy. You know like you had Jared on the other night. Jared does a radio show out of what station? I can't remember. WATD in South Shore. And if you happen to miss it then it's gone. <laughs> you never hear it. It's There's no podcast. Yeah. There's no history. Um, and he's done some great shows but you just you can't well, listen you, to them again. Well you know what's funny? Um, when I first started here, when I was just a guest on Chris's show, we didn't have a podcasting format and they would take stuff out of the skim, uh, the skimmer and put it on. If it was like a memorable moment, like one time Chris and I were, were making fun of a, a candidate on the air <laughs> and, uh, the candidate showed up No, <laughs> yeah, and demanded airtime and we gave it to him and it was, <laughs> it was, it was really something. 
the thing is, is we would have just moved on, and I wanted to move on, but he wouldn't. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. It was. It was really something else. But um, so that stuff, like, what got saved. But for the most part, there's lots of like radio gold out there. Yes, and uh, it's just sort of out there in the. I don't know where it is. It's gone. <laughs> You know, so but we uh, have the podcast now. Like now we have the so podcast. Many... Now every second uh, of our time together has been um, painstakingly documented. It's not only that, but people it reaches so many no, more really, people. You know what I mean? It really does. I've met people that are like, I listen to your show, and I'm like, how? You know yeah, what I mean? Right. Like, I can't believe you're listening. Like, it's wild. Yeah, people, people. Um, you know, if they if they miss it, they can go back to it. Um, what I like to do is when I write my pieces sometimes it's off usually informed by stuff that mm. we do here on the show and so i include the podcast link it yes. we need a team building event we do we need yeah because i missed out for holiday stuff because i was, I was sick. Say you missed the christmas i was party. sick yeah but we need an to, awards night yeah we need to do like a team building we got to do a team building event we have like to do trust something falling. like skydiving that's not something <laughs> I don't know. I feel like we plane. need to, to, to do something together as a team and then we can talk about it. It's gotta be a little crazy or incredulous. Like we can't just do something basic. We can't go bowling. Okay. We gotta do something. And then we'll all experience it together and then we'll just talk something about it. like hor- terrifying, life threatening. <laughs> yes. So that we can all bond. Because yeah. we went through a traumatic experience. <laughs> We're gonna take a road trip. To Andover, to where Jim Lyons lives. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> my friend threw a huge party, and the night before the party, my husband and I and friends went to her house and buried a bottle of Crown Royal in the yard, so that during this huge party she had with like 400 people there, if they ran out of booze, we could we'd be able to it's dig incredible. up a bottle. Uh, but. The next morning, her husband found it. We we put a, a fork in the 